Welcome to Journey South Bay. Thank you for inviting us in to listen to God's Word. Take a moment to get comfortable, sit back, and relax as we listen to today's message. And if you are able to, would you join me in standing as we read God's Word together? The Word today comes from Galatians 1, 1 to 10. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Every January, uh, Jack Nicklaus, um, who most consider one of the two or three greatest golfers to ever play, would go to Florida and uh, reunite with his coach. And this was years and years and years after winning the most uh, pre- prestigious golf tournaments in the world. And he would begin every January and say, teach me how to stand. Teach me how to hold a club. Teach me how to swing. And what his instructor said is that every year, one of the best to ever do it would come back and the first thing he would say is, teach me the basics. Remind me the basics. Look, in in 2023 in this church, there, there are a list of amazing things that we want to see happen. We want to see lives changed. We want to see things served in our communities. We want to see people from all kinds of um, struggles in life be able to be plugged into, connected into this church. We want to see marriages put back together. We want to see families healed. But all of it will be in vain, and probably none of it will happen if we don't remember and hold on to the gospel. Because at the, first, at the foremost basic thing in the church, what Christians always have to be doing is coming back to and reminding ourselves and knowing what the gospel is. And there's no book that's more helpful and succinct for doing this for a church than to look at the book of Galatians. Now, one thing that really you really begin to see in Galatians that really draws this out is Paul, in all of his letters, always begins with this sort of salutation that just sort of says, grace and peace to you, I'm so thankful for you. And he writes to the church in Ephesus, which has deep racism, and says, I'm thankful for you. He writes to the church in Corinth, which has just rampant sexuality and all kinds of worldliness that Los Angeles could never live up to. And he says, I'm thankful for you. But he comes to this book of Galatians, to these people who don't have any of those struggles, and there's no thankfulness. It's just frustration and concern. It's because losing the gospel is more important to Paul 
than any of those other things, and it's the greatest threat to the church. So here, here's what we're going to start to do this morning. We're going to look at the whole book of Galatians as we go forward this spring. And right away, we're going to see three things in this text. One, just the content of the gospel. Two, the order of the gospel. And three, the slipperiness of the gospel. We want to hold on to and protect the gospel. And so let's, those three things let's learn this morning. The content, the order, and the slipperiness of the gospel. First, the content. The gospel, it is a living thing that we're all going to learn in the book of Galatians that all of us sort of have, a, have trouble applying and holding on to. And one of the main reasons is because we actually don't often know what the content of the gospel is. Do you, know, do you know what the gospel is? I mean, often people, if you say, what's the gospel? Sometimes people say, well, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, uh, or the teachings of Jesus, or sometimes people say the love of God, and that's, sometimes it's not less than all of that, but that's not really accurate about what the gospel is. What's the gospel? Well, Paul tells us simply in a word here in verse 4, the gospel is rescue. This is what he says, Jesus who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. J.B. Lightfoot, the bishop um, of Durham, he said, that this, this one word rescue sums up the entire book of Galatians, that the gospel is a rescue message. And there's, there's a couple components to this. One component is it draws out our need, that we had to be rescued. It says we had to be rescued from our sins and this present evil age. Now, those two things sort of are, are loaded theology we won't have time to go into, but it's basically saying we have to be rescued from both what has happened to us, what we've done, and the punishment that we deserve for the life that we've lived, and our inability to ever change ourselves and do anything about that. That there's something inherently wrong with us that is so broken and is so off pace from the way humanity is meant to be designed that the only way out for us is to be rescued. Now, some of us uh, hear that and, and roll our eyes at it, or it doesn't resonate in any way because um, we're blinded by our circumstances. You know, one of the reasons that you don't know your deep need for rescue is because your circumstances have just blinded you to that. Um, our family flew back this week, and on the plane, uh, I watched an old classic movie that I'd never seen before um, called Chinatown which is a great classic movie of, uh, where Jack Nicholson is a private investigator uh, looking into the corruption in Los Angeles. And what happens is there's this uh, rich tycoon who's trying to steal all the water supply. And in order to make his crime work, he has murder and cover-up, and there's all sorts of corruption going on. And when Jack Nicholson busts him and begins to figure it out and confronts him, He's just like, you're, you're so wealthy. You're so rich. Why in the world would you do this? Why, why would you go to this extent? And the man looks at uh, Jack Nicholson and he says, you know, gets, um, you see, most people never have to face the fact that at the right time, in the right place, they're capable of anything. You know, one of the reasons that you don't know the depth of what you're capable of is just you're not at the bottom of society or the top of society. But if you were, you have no idea what you're capable of. Others of us hear the idea of being rescued, 
And we agree with it on paper, but honestly, in real life, when we're confronted in a very practical way in an intimate relationship of something in us that needs to be rescued, the gloves come off. But what the gospel has to tell us right from the beginning is that you and I are probably, we are, we are worse than we can imagine. And we're worse than we care to admit, both to ourselves and to other people. The next component, though, of the gospel is it says, he came to rescue us. It's not just our need, but it's his provision. You know, I mean, most founders of religions, they didn't come to do anything more than to teach or to enlighten us. But Paul says, Jesus, what he does, the uniqueness of Christianity in the gospel is he comes into our helpless situation. He looks at us drowning in our inability to do anything about ourselves, jumps in the pool, and he rescues us. How? The language he says is, he gave himself for our sins. And that little prepositional phrase can almost be better translated on behalf of or in the place of. That is, what the language is drawing out is that this is a very crucial part of the gospel, is that what Jesus does is he substitutes himself. He looks at us in our place and puts us in the place where we should be and we presently are and takes that place. He looks at us dying and drowning, jumps in and dies himself in order to get us out. Now, why does he do it? He says, Paul says, out of the will of God, which means he doesn't do it because we're sitting there longing for spirituality. It's not even because we turn to God and ask for help and this is his solution. It's not even because there's anything inkling in us. It's because God wanted to do it, which means it's all of love and it's all of grace, telling us that the component of the gospel is that we are more loved and safe and provided for than you could ever possibly imagine. And the third component that that makes it for is a mutual result, verse 3, that we just have peace with God. That when Jesus comes in after our need, what it gives us is the peace that we long for. Now, some of you are like, I don't know about how much I care about peace with God. Uh, Chuck Klosterman, the great modern writer who's not a Christian, he says, you know, because um, you'll resonate with this. He says, you know what the desire to be cool is? It's just the longing to be saved. And Paul tells you how that happens. It's not anything you and I do. It's not anything that you and I long for and is then given to us. It's just God coming after us and rescuing us. I mean, the whole content of the gospel, I mean, can almost be summed up this way. It's just Jesus plus nothing is how you get peace with God. Now, some of us don't resonate just with the intellectual content of that, so let me illustrate that. There's a great, amazing story. Uh, in 1989, there was a really tragic earthquake, an 8.2 in Armenia. And one father had just dropped his son off at an elementary school hours before the earthquake happened. And when the news got to him, he ran to the school, and it was just a pancake on the ground. Parents are wailing, screaming, wondering what to do. The father just began to go into the rubble and to pull back rocks. People are yelling at him not to do that, that he'll get hurt. Gas lines are breaking, fires are breaking out. He will not stop. He goes out and just starts pulling rocks away. Two hours go by. Six hours go by. Twelve hours go by. Twenty-four hours go by. 
36 hours go by. On the 38th hour, he pulls a rock back, and he hears a little voice that just says, Dad. And his little son, Armand, was there, and he said, Dad, is that you? And his father said, it's me. And he said, I knew you would come. He said, I told everyone around me, I said, if my dad is out there, he will not stop at anything to come and rescue us. And Paul's telling you, that's what Christianity is. And that's the content of the gospel. Now, the second thing that Paul wants us desperately to understand is not just the content of that gospel, but the order of that gospel. See, there's a lot of people in the church and around the church who will speak, teach, and say things and, uh, and say it in a way that's honestly not biblical or say things that are a little bit out of line, but people will throw it away and say, well, you know, they're passionate uh, or, or they're excited, don't get in the way. But Paul actually would tremendously disagree with that because look what he says in verse 7. He says, there are some people uh, who not... Th- uh, but there are some who, are, who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Uh, the NIV says they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And this language, uh, the word distort, is the Greek word uh, metestrepsi. It means to reverse something. Uh, he's talking about the reversing the order of something. That is, when you take something and put it out of the way it's meant to unfold, you not only just reverse it, but you pervert it and destroy it. Let me, uh, let me explain this. I saw this uh, um, headline a couple years ago on the, the magazine uh, Tales. It said, this was the headline. Uh, Rachel Ray finds inspiration from cooking, semicolon, her family, and her dog. Now, if you take the semicolon away, here's what the line reads. Rachel Ray finds inspiration from cooking her family and dog. It's a big deal. And Paul says, look, missing something, missing things in the gospel, reversing the order, it's not just, oh, a punctuation mistake. He says it ceases to be good news. It takes it from the gospel, not just to be a different kind of gospel. He says there is no other gospel. It is no longer gospel. Now, what's the order of it that he's talking about? Well, here's what happened in the book of the Galatians. Paul had come to the Galatians and preached this gospel in verse 4 to them. that said this, Jesus dies for you. You put faith in him. Then God accepts you. And then you obey and live for him. And he says, this is what the Christian faith is. And then a group of people called the Judaizers had come in and said, well, that's kind of true, but not really totally true. And they said, actually, all of you have got to be circumcised. And so what they said was basically that you have to have faith in Christ. That's definitely important. You have to believe that Jesus died for you, and you have to obey and keep this part of the law, and then God accepts you. And so what they heard, they heard two things. They were hearing from Paul. It's faith in Christ, then God accepts you, and then you live for him. And they heard from these other people, it's faith in Christ, you obey and keep the law, and then God accepts you. And Paul comes into that order, and he says, look, that's not a different denomination. 
That's not like a different type of Christianity. It's not Christianity at all. He says, it's absolutely false. And when you begin to live and practice that and tell other people that, you've lost the gospel altogether. Look, here's what Paul is so eager to protect, that you and I would ever communicate and believe that we have to do something in order for God to accept us. Look, there are lots of like nuanced things in the Christian faith that are honestly at times gray and hard to make sense of. I'll give you some, some examples. Like God's sovereignty and predestination and choice and our free will. Look, the way that those two work together is hard to explain, it's very gray, it's very difficult to understand. Uh, an ethical example, what do we do with divorce? On the one hand, God does not want us to ever be divorced. On the other hand, there is a permission of circumstances at times that it's granted to us. Now, how do we apply that? It's, sometimes it's hard to make sense of, and it's gray, and it takes wisdom, and it takes uh, thinking, and it takes community. This is as black and white as it gets. There is no this kind of way or this kind of way. It's black and white. It's faith in Christ. God accepts you, and then you live for him. And anything outside of that is not the gospel at all. Martin Luther, in his commentary on this, he just says this, for there is no middle ground between Christian righteousness and works righteousness. There is no other alternative to Christian righteousness but works righteousness. If you do not build your confidence on the work of Christ, you must build your confidence on your own work. And you know what Paul tells us in verse 8 and 9 is he says anybody who does that, who begins to communicate that what this is about is that you have to have faith and live that life in order to be involved here, loved and accepted. Paul tells us it's not just wrong. He says, you are cursed. Which, which means this, friends. The worst thing that you can do in God's eyes is not go have an affair, is not go embezzle money, is, is not even be racist. The worst thing that you can do in God's eyes is communicate and tell somebody that in order for God to love them, they have to do and be something. And the first thing that we're going to do in this church in 2023 is make it abundantly clear that in order to be involved here and to come hear about God and to come to the table, all you need is Jesus, and that's it. And that's the order of the gospel that Paul is desperate for all of us to understand. Look, he, he wants to give us the content of the gospel, the order of the gospel. But thirdly, he wants us to desperately understand the slipperiness of the gospel. Look, here's why this is such an important task. Um, because Galatians will teach us how easy it is for the gospel to be slippery. That is, for those who have grasped the gospel at one point, to just turn around and drop it. He says in verse 6, I'm astonished at how quickly you are turning away from the gospel. Now, a couple observations here. The word quickly is the word atachios, 
which can at some points mean speedily, and at other points it can mean rapidly. That is what Paul is communicating as he says, I'm astonished and I'm blown away by how quickly you're turning away from the gospel and how often you believe something else other than the gospel. And this is the key to the book of the Galatians. Do you know who he's saying this to? He's not saying this to all your peers who, who uh, are secular or agnostic, uh, have trouble believing in faith, and saying, you know, how quickly you do turn to something other than the gospel. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who profess faith and say, yes, I believe. Yes, this is what I build my life on. He says, it's incredible to me how quickly you will listen to a sermon and immediately base your life on something else. There was a... Um, there was a man in Britain who died several years ago named 32nd Clive. His name was uh, Clive Wearing. He's actually an incredible British uh, orchestra conductor. Uh, he put on the music for Princess uh, Diana and Prince Charles' wedding in 1981, uh, did several significant concerts for the BBC in the 70s and 80s. And in 1985, he developed uh, this really severe disease that gave him, I'll have to read this for us because I can't read retrograde and anthrograde amnesia. And what happened to Clive is he could not remember anything that had happened to him seven seconds before that. And the longest he could go was 30 seconds. So what would happen is sometimes he would be sitting there and all of a sudden look up at his wife and go, wow, I haven't seen you in years. It had only been 10 seconds. Other times they'd be at a restaurant and he would sit down and look another way and look back at his food and goes, why is this? I didn't order this. They would say, yes, you did, 20 seconds ago. And that was his whole life over and over and over again. And you know what? That's what it's like to be a Christian. Because all of us, including me, are going to walk out of here today hearing this, wanting to believe this, and to look out in the world and begin to live our life by some other gospel. I'll give you some examples of how we do this. Uh, a, performing. You know, when Paul says, am I trying to please man or God? Look, there, there's so many moments where we want to be convinced and live our life that we're pleasing God. We're living to please God. But you know, the moment that you begin to think that your self-esteem is based on how you look, or it's what you accomplish, that at the heart of it is a belief and acceptance by works. You're living by a gospel when performance is the undercurrent of your life. Here's another example. Hiding or lying. Do you know why you're so tempted to hide or to lie in life? Every time that you lie and you hide, it's because you deep down believe in acceptance by works. You believe that I am only accepted in love if I have this kind of life. And if this is in my life, I'm guaranteed to not be accepted and loved in these kind of relationships and this kind of status that I desperately need in order to be the person that I want to be in life, which is a salvation by works. Here's another example. 
self-loathing and shaming. Every time that you self-loathe and you hate on yourself and you let shame drive you, what you're saying to yourself is that life works by salvation by works. And I haven't lived up to it enough. And this is the condemnation that I deserve. It's, shame is a self-given result of failed works righteousness. Look, the slippery thing about the gospel that all of us have got to keep, keep coming back to is that all you need for it is nothing. All you need is nothing, and all of you are trying to grab onto something. All you need for the gospel is need. Luther, again, he says it this way, what have we then to do? Nothing. No, nothing. Only but accept of him who God has given us our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. Look, in 2023, this this is sort of a vision for this year, that you would begin to build a culture of the gospel in this place, a culture of place, a, a culture and community of people who can belong if they just have a need. And you're going to have to realize that everybody's tempted to hide and to lie and to perform and to do everything else to be involved in it because we are certainly believing some sort of gospel all the time. But a gospel culture will come and constantly remind everybody, you don't need to be that here. I know you have to be that in your job for it to work. And I know it feels like you have to do that at school where you're going to get shoved to the bottom of the totem pole. But this is the one place where that never has to happen. And I know that the moment you're going to go out in life, it's going to be so slippery to hold on to. And so what you have to have is a place like this that has a culture to constantly remind you of it. You, you know what, uh, what talcum powder is? You, you put it on your hands to keep things from slipping out of, out of your hand. Look, what you can be here is you can be talcum powder for people's soul. That this is a place where you you know your friends are going to slip. This truth that God has given us this morning, we're going to walk out and we're almost all going to drop it by the time we leave the parking lot. But what a community of faith is, is a constant say, let's remind each other again and again and again. Of that hymn we sang earlier, All the fitness that he requires is that you feel your need of him. And you know what's amazing? This he gives you. Because friends, he didn't come to teach us. He didn't come to enlighten us. He came to rescue us. And if that ever gets in, it's like a bomb that goes off in your life. And that's what Galatians wants to do with our lives. Let's pray. Father, this book is just so rich, and so we do pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would um, help us, Lord, help us to read, receive, know, dive in, and believe. Lord, would you meet us through the power of your Holy Spirit to make our need not threatening, 
Lord, that we would be able to believe that we are we're worse than we care to admit and not be afraid of that because we know that we are more loved than we ever dared imagined because you came to rescue us. Lord, help us. Help us as we come to the table to believe and practice that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to the RSS podcast feed. This will let you know when a new message has been posted. You can also look for us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram at Journey South Bay. Until next time, God bless.